The body of a British teen who fell from a plane in Madagascar has been found. Tom Brady finds he doesn't like the new helmets the NFL is making him wear, but he doesn't have much of a choice, apparently. And deforestation is causing an issue for a project in the Amazon. That being the actual rainforest, not the multi-trillion dollar company that basically rules our lives. But we'll get onto all that stuff in a bit, but not off the top, because the top is set for the stories you said were the top stories this week. So we'll find out in mere moments what stories you decided were really on top. The ones got beyond the Chirons, beyond the breaking news that got really, really crazy this week. And some of those stories may be a bit nutty, I might say. And we'll talk about those stories first on the wrap-up show with Jake Lynn Payne here from the Conversation Project at thisisaconversation.com. And this is the podcast for the week ending August the 17th, 2019. And welcome to the show. I am Jay Cliven Payne. This is the wrap up show brought to you by this is a conversation.com. Now, that website and the conversation project itself is a way for us as global citizens. Yes, this is something that goes globally. People from all over the world tune into this podcast to talk about the news that we believe is the most conversational, the most important, if you will, the things that are worth talking about, despite the fact what the program directors and what even the It Bleeds It Leads kind of culture pops on the Chirons, what's on cable news all day as breaking news. It lasts for days, and it gets past all the boring stuff and the blustery stuff. And honestly, here in the States, a lot of the overly done Trump stuff and talks about stories that you may have missed. And that's how you get a chance to see what they are. And you tell me and us which stories are worth it. That process is simple. We have social media links on Facebook and Twitter. So you follow us on Facebook. Look for This is a Conversation. Look for the blue conversation bar. And, of course, on Twitter, TH underscore conversation. Every 50 minutes or so, we post a new link to different stories and different sources. Most of them are reputable. Some of them may be a little sketchy. Some of you may not like because you don't like their slant. Some of you may not like because you think they're a little too broish. Some are literally have bro in the title. But these are all stories from different sources, different types of stories, different places and around the world. And as they come through your feed, as you check your social media, you just interact with the stories. The more interaction the story gets, the higher score it gets. So like it, love it, hate it, share it, do whatever you need to do to interact with a headline and even read it, if you will. Reading stories is also great. And the more interaction that a story gets, the higher score it gets. We put the Facebook and Twitter together and weigh them out equally for one single score. And we'll talk about the top 10 stories from 10 to 1 in the segment in just a moment. Segment 1. Segment two, we start off with housekeeping. Housekeeping is basically explaining what happened in the weirdness of the week. And there's always something that happens in the count that needs a little extra explaining. We give you a little bit of that, plus kind of the details, the basics, again, of how this thing works. And we also go to the almost irrelevant story of the week. And that story is the story at the very bottom, the one that has the lowest score based on the entire rankings. We'll tell you what it is. We'll tell you kind of what it's about. And it's usually a story posted very late into the countdown very late into the system this week we had 206 distinct different stories and this week was recorded hours before we recorded this week's podcast so it obviously did not get a lot of time to grow and thrive so it's at the very bottom for the list in segment three we show love to the people who showed us love this week people who popped up as extra special people for liking loving sharing things on facebook and twitter so we'll give a couple name shout outs there and then we'll round out the top 15 stories most of which you heard in a tease but a few others 11 through 15 who aren't quite in range but we'll tell you what they are because they are kind of significant based on what went on so without further ado let's get into the actual count for the numbers that do matter and that is the top 10 for the week. Story number 10 has this headline, and this one was posted literally late last night, and it grew pretty quickly. It was a pretty dramatic story, but it was able to make it into the countdown at the 10 spot with very little time to make it. Headline, Dale Earnhardt Jr., his family escapes plane crash without serious injuries. Thursday, August 15th, as we said, was posted. ABC News, their website is our source for the story. We'll read you a few lines from this story here. Former NASCAR driver Dale Earnhardt Jr. and his wife and child escaped a plane crash in Tennessee without serious injuries on Thursday, said Carter County Sheriff Dexter Luntzford. 
The Cessna Citation rolled off the end of a runway after landing at Elizabethton Municipal Airport in Elizabethton, about 65 miles north of Asheville, according to the Federal Aviation Administration, or FAA. Two pilots were on board, according to the FAA. The plane touched down about halfway down the runway, Elizabethton Mayor Kurt Alexander said in a statement. The pilot has flown in and out of the airport many times, Alexander also said. If you go to the link inside of this week's podcast, we have links for all the stories we're going to read. You can see pictures of the wreckage, what's left of the wreckage. If you if you see it, uh, you will be surprised. You'll be, you know, it's basically a miracle they got out of what was left of the wreckage. And there's a bit greater explanation of what exactly happened to this. No serious injuries to anyone. They also had their pets on board as well. So that was a, a trip for Dale Earnhardt on his way to call a race this weekend. Um, and the aftermath of that is Dale Earnhardt has been given the weekend off. So uh, he's not going to work this weekend after this stress. And they'll figure out what to do with the race going forward. Another star in Hollywood has lost their life. And you never really know... What actors, bit actors or big stars, touch a lot of people's lives? What actors actually make an impact until you get to talking about them? This was a story that one would have thought would not be a very big one, but apparently you guys thought it was good enough to be a nine story for this week. In the nine slot, the headline is Star Trek actress Barbara Marsh dies at 65. We posted this on Tuesday, August 13th. This story gets a bumpy response, which means more people responded to the story at the 9 story than the 10 story of 2.49%. Let's read you a little bit from comicbook.com's write-up on the death of Barbara Marsh. Actress Barbara Marsh has died. She was 65 years old. The actress is known to Star Trek fans for her role as Lursa, one half of the sisters of the Klingon House of Duras, along with Beator, played by Gwyneth Walsh. She appeared in the Star Trek The Next Generation episodes Redemption, Redemption Part 2, and Firstborn. The Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode Past Prologue and the feature film Star Trek Generations. March died as a result of a cancer diagnosis. Her husband, fellow Star Trek guest star Alan Scarf, told to Facebook to break the news of March's death. Quote, my beloved Barbara, my partner in all things for more than 40 years, passed through eternity's gate yesterday evening after a cruel battle with cancer. She was wise and compassionate and beautiful, and her brilliance, kindness, and perspicity touched many. Her stage performances as the Duchess of Malif at the Gunthery Theater in Minneapolis, Isabella in Measure for Measure at Canada's Stratford Festival Desmora, Titania, Lady Macbeth, Ruth in The Homecoming, and Rowena in The Gaiden Chronicles were without equal, and a vast audience will continue to marvel at a portrayal of Lurissa on the House of Duras on Star Trek. It goes deeper and deeper into her accomplishments and basically the love they shared and more details on what's going on. She was born in Toronto. She studied at the University of Windsor. She, of course, is a classical actor, as you heard, and so those things by her husband. And it goes deeper into her pedigree, into her biography. We'll go in there. For more information about this, as we said, check out the website for thisistheconversation.com. Click on the link for this week's podcast, and you'll see all the links to all the stories we'll talk about. And you can get more into what is a essentially the obituary as per comicbook.com for this story. This week is actually full of a lot of stories on people dying and the aftermath of dying, if you will. So just be prepared for a lot of that, especially when we get to the number one story. This one's going to be a, a whopper, so bear bear with me when we get to that one. But the next one is a story of another famous person. You've never realized how many people that are reached the famous people reach until they pass sometimes and this is one that isn't well known here 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 in the states but this shows the international nature of the the conversations podcast headline dj arafat top ivory coast singer dies in road accident monday august the 12th the day we posted that one this gets a bump response from the number nine story of 5.34 percent our source for the story is the BBC, so let's read a little bit of the news as posted on their website. Ivory Coast DJ Arafat, a well-known singer in the French-speaking Africa, has died following a traffic accident, state broadcast RTI is reporting. He was admitted to hospital in the main city, Abidjan, with a fractured skull after his motorcycle collided with a car on Sunday, 
June Afrikeek says. The 33-year-old died early on Monday. It has been referenced. He has been referenced as the king of Cuba del Cale dance music and one of the biggest hit songs, Despobado, has over 5 million views on YouTube. The singer was also known for his love of motorcycles and featured them in the most recent hit, Moto Moto, that was released in May, which has more than 4 million YouTube views. Ivory Coast Culture Minister Maurice Kawuku Baldanman has expressed his condolences in a statement and said a tribute would be organized to honor the musician. Go deeper into the story, read more about the people who reached out to him and uh, folks going on for their love, for the support for this lost member of their community, this lost member and this lost talent. As we said, I don't know DJ Arafat because he's big in the Ivory Coast. There's so many people here in the States I just don't listen to. But this shows just how... The, the timing of the stories we put out are important. Uh, we put out stories from various places, various sources, because there are, it is a big international draw. And this is one that is probably drawn mostly from international audiences seeing this one. And, of course, the just general popularity of the singer where he's from. This next story is not a death, but a end to a relationship ending so, so soon. I'm not sure how tragic, though. Miley Cyrus and Liam Helmsworth split after less than a year of marriage. People.com is the source of this story. Saturday, August the 10th is the date this was posted. So this one lasted quite a bit. And this story gets a bumper response from the number eight story of 13.82%. So let's get you some lines from the story in the number seven story where this crazy couple apparently couldn't make it happen. So we'll see if there's hope for any of the rest of us. Miley Cyrus and Liam Helmsworth have called it quits less than a year after tying the knot. Liam and Miley have agreed to separate at this time. That's a quote from the rep from Cyrus tells people in the statement. More from the statement. Ever evolving, changing as partners and individuals, they have decided that this is what's best while they both focus on themselves and their careers. They still remain dedicated parents to all of their animals they share while lovingly taking the time apart. Please respect their process and privacy. Rumors of the split between Cyrus, 26, and Helmsworth, 29, began on Saturday after the mother's daughter singer posted a photo of herself on Instagram in which she was not wearing a wedding ring. Mute me if you don't want spammed, she captioned in the post, which featured Cyrus sitting in a chair while wearing a black bustier top with a matching pair of black pants because you describe these things. Although Cyrus is not wearing her wedding ring in the image, she is wearing multiple bracelets and necklaces. In response to the image, her older sister, Brandy Cyrus, commented, Boom! Alright, so, just go to the link inside of the website and see if this is something you're into. Apparently enough people made this the... I mean, it is a top story, number seven story for the week. So that was there. But you can see the image. You can read more of the story. You can get deeper into the relationship from Miley Cyrus, the daughter of Billy Ray and Liam, the brother of Chris, and see if you're into it. Number one, see if you actually care. This is something that's a little bit off the weird side, a little bit off the off side for me because I don't particularly care. But it's one of those things that it's all about you. This podcast and the whole conversation thing is about the stories you care about. These are the stories that you say are worth having conversations on. And if it is about Miss Cyrus and Mr. Helmsworth, then that's what we're talking about. The number seven spot, this week at least, belongs to them. So moving on to the story in the number six spot this week. And that headline reads like this. Nora Corin. Body of missing teenager found in Malaysia. Wednesday, August the 14th, the day we posted this one, we get a bumper response of 8.5% from the seven story on Miley and Liam. Reading a few lines from the source in this story, the source happens to be CNN.com, the body of a teenager, Nora Korn, who went missing in Malaysia, has been found. Local police and a charity assisting the family confirmed Tuesday. Corrin's family identified the 15-year-old who disappeared on August 4th after police earlier reported that a body had been found in the forest around the resort where they had been on holiday. Quote, the family has been brought in to identify the body found today, and they have confirmed that the body is indeed Nora Ann. Mohammed Mat Yusuf, the state police chief, said according to Reuters. 
The Lucy Blackman Trust, LBC, which has been providing assistance to the Kootenans, said in a statement that it could, quote, confirm with great sadness that the body found today is that of missing teenager Nora Corrin. Local police have confirmed notification, LBT also added. Search teams have been scouring the rainforest surrounding the Dusan Risen Resort since Corrin, who, who has a learning disability, was found to be missing from her bedroom nine days ago. Corrin, whose mother is from Belfast and whose father is French, was traveling on an Irish passport during the trip. LBT asked for the family to be given privacy at this time. And we're going to just have you direct yourself to the links inside of the podcast to see more details on the story and get deeper into it. There is just a slight bit more right up to what was going on and the situation going on. But we do know that the body of the daughter has been found. The family is dealing with that. Uh, we're going to say a lot of there's a lot of thoughts and prayers going out this week because we're talking about a lot of people and a lot of lives that were lost this week or within just the concept of the podcast this week. So we're going to refrain from that. I'm also, as I've said before, kind of sick of the the thoughts and prayers line itself, even though it it matters, it's important, but we're going to give thoughts and prayers here and probably plenty more throughout the actual podcast. Despite the seriousness of this incident, and it's extremely serious, uh, the only way to really describe what went down in this is complete chaos and just insanity. Headline for the number five story, at least five Philadelphia police officers shot in Philadelphia's nice town Tioga section, officials say. Philadelphia's local CBS station or philadelphia.cbslocal.com is where we got the story from. And this, of course, went live nationwide as people watched this unfold. Wednesday, August 14th, as it happened, when it happened, bumper response from the number six story is 10.45%. I'll read you a little bit from the story from the website, um, Philly's local CBS affiliate number, um, uh, Channel 3, and we'll then jump quickly to the update and kind of move on from there. At least six Philadelphia police officers were shot during a gun battle in Philadelphia's Nicetown Tioga section and rushed to the hospital on Wednesday afternoon, authorities said. Two officers and three others who were trapped inside the home with the shooter were safely evacuated several hours after the standoff began. The gunmen surrendered just after midnight. We have gone from a hostage situation to a barricade Philadelphia Police Commissioner Richard Ross said. Ross said that the two officers and three other inside the home took fire during the incident. All six officers wounded in the shooting have been released from the hospital. Another officer injured in a car crash on the way to the second scene still remains hospitalized. Sources tell CBS 3 the suspect was live streaming some of the shootout while he barricaded himself inside the home. All right, the update to the story, the quick update to the story, is the fact that suspects surrendered to police shortly after 12 a.m. Thursday. The suspect's attorney has identified the alleged gunman as 36-year-old Maurice Hill. So we know the gunman's name, his, his identity, and this will be dealt with accordingly. With all the insanity that happened this week, of course, we are... I'm not sure if it's even two weeks past the shootings in Dayton and in El Paso. Of course, it's that add another week to the shooting in California at the festival and just the incidents of these things happening over and over again. It may not seem like, um, well, let me say it may seem like things are going insane with the gun violence here. It actually is just a matter of things have been more high profile that we're noticing a lot more of them because they're more high profile. Gun violence happens somewhere in this nation every single day, and it's sort of a half of a joke that Chicago is such a bad place, but Chicago is dealing with increased violence uh, on the streets with guns. Many cities doing the same thing as well. I'm just a reporter doing a podcast, so I don't have any answers, obviously, but this is something that we'll be dealing with for quite a long time, and hopefully we'll be able to come to some sort of way to de-escalate a lot of this so that we're not talking about it as frequently or the numbers we talk about aren't as large as they go by. Um, thoughts and prayers going out to all involved here, all the police officers dealing with this, all the people nearby, and yes, thoughts and prayers goes to the families of the people who are initiating these things because they're not always at fault. That Those words may sound kind of controversial, but it is what it is.
So now we get to something that we'll explain a little bit later in the in the 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 housekeeping segment where where things happen in the count. And so to make things look a little more even, we do a little bit of manipulating of the situation. And this one is just a slight manipulation because the story we have at the four spot this week was the stories that in the original shifting were the four and five stories. So I'll read you the headlines from the stories and the dates they were posted. Uh, they're 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 so related that basically two words change into stories, and then we're going to give you them as a super story. They count as a number four story together. We added their score and moved them up to a higher slot. And like I said, not much higher of a slot. They would have been four and five anyway. They just uh, turned out to be four by itself and by a very very large amount as opposed to a smaller amount. The headlines are starting off with Monday, August the twelfth. Hong Kong cancels. Hong Kong airport shut down after protests swarmed inside. And on a Tuesday the thirteenth, Hong Kong airport cancels flight for second day amid protests. Yes, the protests in Hong Kong. We posted each day that it happened, and each one made a big impact. So we put them together. So there's only one block for the Hong Kong protests. The bumpy response from these stories is 50.34% from the number five story. Uh, the sources from the stories came from NBC News and New York Post throughout the week. And the story we're going to read here is on the second day of cancellations. And that came from NBC News. All check-in services at Hong Kong Airport's main terminal shut down for a second day on Tuesday after protesters blocked the entrance of the building. Quote, terminal operations at Hong Kong International Airport have been seriously disrupted as a result of the public assembly at the airport today, the airport announced in a statement sent to reporters. All check-in service for departure flights have been suspended since 4.30 p.m., 4.30 a.m. Eastern Time, the airport authority added. Other departures and arrival flights for the rest of the day would continue, it said. Members of the public are advised not to come to the airport, it added. Before the closure, flights have been taking off as the airport worked through a backlog even after a few thousand protesters once again occupied the arrival hall. The closure came after the former British colonies embattled leader, the five protesters, called to quit as the stock market tumbled and anti-government protesters filled the airport. Unrest has rolled in Chinese semi-autonomous region for 10 weeks this summer as thousands of residents chafe at the perceived erosion of freedoms and autonomy under Beijing's room rule. The increasingly violent demonstrations plunged the Asian financial hub into its most serious crisis in decades, presenting Chinese leader Xi Jinping with the, one of the biggest challenges since he came to power in 2012. On the fifth day, protesters occupied the arrivals hall of the airport, shut down in an unprecedented move on Monday that forced hundreds of flight cancellations, Beijing lacking demonstrations in Hong Kong to terrorism. So we're going to let you go back and read more of the story, and both links will be in the Somehow I'll put links to both of those in the podcast uh, for the links, even though they're basically one super story. Uh, this is something we've talked about essentially every week for at least six weeks, if not the full 10 weeks of this this protest going on in, in Hong Kong. Uh, this is one that's really big, and this one I think gets a lot of attention because it's big here. We're paying attention to it because there's TV pictures of people protesting, whatever, but we're also paying attention to it because here in the States, we're having some debates over our freedoms and our rights and how things are actually working. And over in Hong Kong, a place that, because it was under British rule for so long, afforded so many extra freedoms that folks under Chinese rule didn't, now that Hong Kong is now a part of China again and supposedly is supposed to have at least their autonomous na nation, and Chinese is kind of like, nah, we're just going to do what we want to do, we're seeing erosion of erosion of various norms and erosion of various various freedoms happen in real time of course people say that here erosions of freedoms and erosions of norms are happening whether you believe so or not this is a geopolitical idea of having freedom it's which is actually kind of a radical thing and since the united states basically brought it up 300 so years ago but we're seeing other nations with less freedom and less time having freedom uh, show off exactly what they're doing about it. We'll see what happens as this thing continues because this one is far from over. Even at Super Story status, and we'll explain more about how the Super Stories come about in the housekeeping segment in just a bit, uh, it was not 
those two stories combined were not large enough to make it to the top three because in the top three are the top stories on Facebook and Twitter and another just massive story. Let's start with the number three story because this is how we do it in order. This is the top t- Facebook story for the week. Mike Tyson says he smokes about $40,000 of marijuana every month. Bumper response of 18.88% from the number four story. We get this from Bleacher Report. This one was also spread around quite a bit in various other sources uh, once we got to this. But this is one, if the headline doesn't get you, the actual story, which, believe it or not, is kind of a story that's dealing with business acumen, will basically bring you in. Mike Tyson is certainly enjoying his retirement. Not only has the former boxer become an advocate for marijuana while hosting a podcast called Hot Boxing, but he also explained the extent of his marijuana use to the latest episode. This is from the source. What do we smoke a month? Tyson asked a co-host, Eden Britton. Is it 40000 a month? It's 40, 40? Yeah, 40000 a month. We smoke 10 tons of weed at the ranch a month, Britton said. Tyson broke ground on a 40-acre ranch early this year to both grow marijuana and research the effects of the drug. The new company said on this website that it aims to create, quote, better cannabis for its customers. However, it appears Tyson is getting high on his own supply. It is unknown how many people are joining in on their sessions at his ranch, but $40,000 per month is still a lot of money to spend on marijuana. It's also questionable use of money considering the 53-year-old has already gone bankrupt once despite earning $300 million in his boxing career. Still, Tyson appears to be fully immersed in his new business. I'm pretty sure that last line was especially a pun, especially atten- uh, 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 intended for that one. If you want to talk about Mike Tyson rolling blunts and maybe making money on it eventually, email us at the conversation inbox at gmail.com. We can discuss pretty much any story we have further online, online offline. I don't even say it. Just email any story that you're worried about, you're, you're loved, you don't love, and we can talk about this offline. We can always take any feedback to tweak things as you believe. And because this is a global conversation, we need as many people in the conversation as possible to make these conversations work as well as they do. Let's go to the story that is number two this week. His headline reads like this. CBS Viacom, should read it perfectly. CBS Viacom, strike deal to recombine. Hollywood Reporter is our source for this one. Tuesday, August 13th, the day we posted it, it gets a bumper response of 7.18%. Oh, if I didn't say the Mike Tyson story, we posted that on Tuesday, August 13th as well. Not sure if I said that, but uh, so this one going on to the story about CBS and Viacom. Let's get you a few lines from the Hollywood Reporter and the remerger, the rebirth, the regrowth of the two companies together. Sherry Redstone, controlling shareholder of both companies via National Amusements, becomes chair of the combined entity with a forecast $500 million in post-merge cost savings. Thirteen years ago, after Summer runs Redstone, say that three times fast, split his entertainment empire into two, Viacom and CBS, struck a deal on Tuesday to recombine the latest in a recent rash of entertainment NC mega deals. As expected, Viacom CEO Bob Backish will lead the merged company as president and CEO, while CBS Corp. acting chief Joe Aliano will become chairman and CBS and CEO of CBS, wherein he will oversee all CBS branded assets. That's a lot of C's and CBS's. CBS CFO Christina Spade will serve as CFO of the merged firm, and Sherry Redstone, vice chair of both companies, will serve as chair of the combined entity dubbed Viacom CBS, Inc. The merger company, the merged company, will have a library of 3,600 film titles and 140,000 TV episodes, an important set of assets as CBS All Access and Showtime OTT battle with Netflix and others, and as Viacom's Pluto TV gears up to do the same. Viacom CBS will also boast a 22% share of the U.S. television audience, larger than Comcast, Disney, Fox, Discovery, or Warner Media. Quote from Sherry Redstone, I am very excited to see these two great companies come together so that they can realize the incredible power of the combined assets. My father once said, content is king, and never has this been more true than today. Bakish told investors during the analyst, during an analyst call, the remerger will allow the combined entity of Viacom CBS to scale production on premium content, unite global production, and distribute capabilities from the separate companies. 
accelerate their respective corporate growth strategies, and generate, quote, significant uh, synergy value. The transaction is expected to close uh, somewhere at the end of this year, pending all the stuff that needs to go through. We'll see how that happens. But you can check out more of the details. This thing goes really deep into the weeds and how these things work at the website. This is a conversation.com. Click the link for the podcast for this weekend. This is the weekend ending uh, August the 17th, 2019. All the links to all the stories are there. Whether you believe or disbelieve in the mega companies, uh, was something that we're not going to get away from. And then, so as a person who has worked in local media for quite some time and knows the power of what local means, the power of the purse and the power of the mega deals, the larger conglomerates, are basically overtaking a lot of those things. So this is a time to think about your local entities, even though these are just the folks that feed the primetime programming for the most part. This is a time to really think about how much effort you're putting into the Netflixes, the Pluto TVs, what's going on there, and how much you're actually putting into your local stations. Because local stations, you won't miss them until they're gone, and when they're gone, you'll miss having that local element nearby. They may have a lot of crappy stuff on in the daytime, but they're a local element that means a lot. So just think about it, if you would. I'd appreciate that. Now let's get on to the story that has reached the pinnacle for this week. And this one has apparently got me a lot of a lot of blast from the blast website and blast from some folks out there. Many people not very happy that this thing is happening and many people not understanding. That I'm not the person who wrote the story and I'm not the responsibility for this, but let's get you the stats to the story and then get you the details because that is where the real deal lies. The commentary at the end is where the real deal lies in this one. So for the stats, this is the top Twitter story for the week. It was posted on Sunday, August the 11th. So this one lasted quite a bit of time in the countdown. Uh, this one gets a bump response from the number two story of 456%. From the number 10 story, the bump is 1,468%. That was Dale Hernard Jr. and in, in his plane crash that happened uh, yesterday afternoon. And a bump in response from story number 206, that's going to be the almost relevant story for this week. We'll tell you what that story is later, but this story at number one was more responsive than the story at 206 by 31,430%. Let's get you the headline, let's get you some lines from the story, and then let's get you some of the general responses from the peeps. Dog the bounty hunter not dating a mysterious woman following Beth Chapman's death. As I said, that came from the blast, which is more blast blog, just rag than anything else. But a lot of people are keeping up with it. Let's get you some lines from their write up. And then I'll tell you the gist of what people were talking about. Dog, the bounty hunter is not dating the woman who he was spotted with on what looked like a romantic date. In fact, we've learned it was complete opposite. The reality star who lost his wife, Beth Chapman, in June was photographed on Saturday with a brunette bombshell outside of an Italian restaurant in Los Angeles. It appeared like an intimate evening for two, but the blast has learned it was a work event and she's actually linked to his crew. In the picture, Dog is seen laughing alongside a, quote, Dog's Most Wanted, quote, group member who we're told does hair. The show's cast and crew are currently in Los Angeles promoting the show, which is set to air in September. We've learned the dinner was far from a date, as there were eight other members from the reality show there as well. The Blast has also learned the woman is a longtime friend of Dog and Beth's, and she has been around for years. There's the story. That's the total, total entire write-up from The Blast right there. All said, all done, all complete. As I said... This story had a bumper response from the number two story going from there of over 300. Uh, let me get look back to the page exactly. Bumper response from the number two story was of 400%, 456% from the number two story. And we had some bumps going on the way. And this is not one that's gone completely off the rails. We've had something that went completely bonkers. But this is one that a lot of people jumped onto. And a lot of people were defending dog defending Beth, defending their relationship. And a lot of them were kind of, you know, pointing fingers 
at the media itself and some directly at me. In fact, it seemed like I lost a big chunk of followers when the story popped up. Uh, not sure exactly how it correlated, but if you want to join back in the follower bandwagon, follow me on Facebook and Twitter to help us out. But a lot of people were highly upset because they believed that Dog and Beth had a great relationship, which by all accounts they did. Of course, Dog is mourning the loss of his wife to cancer from just months ago, and he's doing what people do when they are grieving, essentially just getting back to work, getting back to getting things done. And it just so happened that some random person took a random thing and tried to turn it into something, and this is a case where it, it is the paparazzi, the people out there looking for a shot, looking to make money, looking to make a name for themselves, turning something into something, and it's not. Um, this lady, as far as we know, is just a member. Well, she's a member of the crew. There's a dinner with all the crew there, and it's a pretty innocent thing. Until something tells us otherwise, which I doubt it's going to, everybody back off this thing and leave this woman alone. Leave Dog alone. Let him continue to mourn in the way that he's doing. And that's essentially getting back to work with his crew. And we're going to get back to work with, with my crew, which is basically me and a couple of guys. But we'll get back to work in just a moment as we give you the housekeeping. We're going to basically explain the super story concept and go through some of the lines of how the, the numbers are tallied again. And then we're going to uh, give you story 206, which is the almost relevant story of the week, and tell you how that got to be there itself as well. Quick reminder to be a part of the countdown, the stories that you heard in the top 10 and the entire countdown, if you will. Uh, it's very simple. You just follow us on Facebook. Look for This is a Conversation and set us as default into your feed so you see our stories. We post very often, so Facebook may want to call us spam, but you want us to be default because we post very often, just like a real news source air quotes there and Twitter it's th underscore conversation every 50 minutes or so we post a link from someplace out there something to talk about some of them are the top 10 or, or the news breaking news headlines that do get stuck in the Chirons and some of them are fringy things and as we find if we put them out there to you more of the things that aren't being put on the mainstream are being talked about and worth talking about as well so we thank you so much for that and thank you so much for sticking this long. Like I said, right back with a little bit more. We'll talk about what a super story is and how it got to be that way. When we come back on the wrap-up show with Jay Cleveland Payne from thisisconversation.com, this is brought to you for the week ending August the 17th, 2019. The conversation is funded by listeners like you. We're a lot like NPR, except our actual entertainment value is little lacking and our actual education value is a little skeptical. But we do this because you guys seem to love it and we could use your help keeping it going. This is a totally independent project that is funded by me and small proceeds from other things. The commercials that are airing inside of this based on where you listen to. There are ads injected into the feed so you can hear other people's stuff. Uh, but if you really want to help us out, you can help us out directly. Number one, you can literally help us out directly by going to one of two places. KO-FI.com. That's coffee, coffee.com slash J Cleveland Payne. And you can buy me a cup of coffee. You can sign it up for a monthly subscription to basically give me a couple bucks every single month to help things out. You don't know how important those little bits of money coming in helps produce this thing here. There's also our Patreon account, which is still little bits of money, but it is patreon.com slash this is a conversation. It's specifically for this is a conversation. And if you believe we give you some sort of value, we thank you so much. And we're giving right now. We're working on more, better, greater uh, Patreon uh, rewards. But right now, we're going to highlight the people who do sponsor us via Patreon. Uh, and we'll get to the coffee one as well once we get some things worked out. Every single month in the first week of the podcast, first week of the month, we'll, we'll highlight them in the highlights in the shout-outs part. Of course, we have sponsors right there on the website as well. So if you visit thisistheconversation.com, you'll see various links for various different things out there. This week, we were highlighting Warby Parker as one of our greater sponsors because they do great work. And we're very glad that they allowed us to be partnered with them. Now, you just spend your regular money with Warby Parker. Just use our link, and we get a little bit of credit from that. And they're going to do exactly what they always do. 
they're going to give you a chance to try on five pairs of glasses, five frames, lenses and all, total pieces of designer, great-looking glasses for free. And once you pick your pair of glasses, you can get that glasses you want for as little as $99. Warby Parker has figured out how to make the experience of online glasses ordering simple, easy, and effective, and do it at a great price for great frames, not just discounted frames or old frames that nobody wants anymore. They did it because they saw how people were able to get glasses to people in remote areas for a very, very low price and get them good quality glasses that will last a while, and they just used the same technology, the same thought process to use for better quality glasses. So you can get designer frames, and you can try on five pairs and see which ones you like for free, and that frames you actually decide to keep could be as little as $99. That's lenses included. Check them out by going to our link so we get a little bit of help. That is this is the conversation.com slash Warby Parker. This is the conversation.com slash Warby Parker. You can spot by any of our sponsors. We have a lot of great sponsors who help us keep this thing going, but this week we're spotlighting a great one for the glasses experience that you didn't think you'd ever have. They'll give it to you online, no hassle, and just perfect. They are Warby Parker. Seven two starts off with housekeeping. We'll take this really quick this week, although this is a newer housekeeping item, something we haven't talked about in a while because we've had ties for three consecutive weeks, so we had to address ties specifically. Uh, but Here's the basics of how things work for the countdown. We gave you a little rundown at the beginning of the show. But as we said, people interact with the stories throughout the week on Facebook and Twitter. And what we do is we pull the raw numbers. We pull both the the impressions that come through and the engagement that comes through. Uh, they're separate numbers on both Twitter and Facebook. And we put them into a spreadsheet and weigh them out so that they are more or less the same sort of weight of the story. We also make, make a log of the date, which is why the date is very important in the countdown. So when we get a raw score of the actual impressions, they're weighted between the two, we weigh every or we rank every story from top to bottom from the highest to the lowest. That's why we go with these bump in responses so you how relative it is from top to basically bottom. What happens every so often, we get a tie. And if we get a tie, we look at next the uh, date of the story, the story that's been there the youngest, been there the least amount of time, and again, the same number at that time. It gets a bump as the higher-rated story. If they're both based on the same day, we go to the engagement of the story, which one gets more engagement on Facebook, and that's there. So we've talked about that plenty of times. The super stories, we have a lot of them very often based on weeks where very big things happen with a lot of events that are unfolding and being updated. We've had some super stories with as many as three stories in them. What we do for those is so that we have more distinct stories in the countdowns. If there's a story, essentially, we look to the top 20, 25 based on big stories that we can make sure that there's stories there that have updates or have significantly the same story. We put them together, and that, of course, changes the numbers of some of something, basically pushes one up and pushes other ones down. And we do this mostly to make sure that we don't have two stories in the top 10 that are essentially the same story. The story this week with the shutdown of the airports in Hong Kong were essentially the same story back to back. It happened on this day, happened on the next day. We put them together and they were so large, as we said, they turned out to be the number four and five story naturally. And then we put them together and they were just the number four story by leaps and bounds. So that way we had an extra slot for more stories to talk about, more conversations to have. That's what we do for the super stories. We call them super stories. We put the links to both pieces so you can get a chance to see both pieces in the process uh, if you care about either one. But that's how we got the super story. We don't necessarily just throw them together because they're random. They have to have a similar theme, something that is building on the next story. For example, we had... R. Kelly stories two weeks ago where there were stories about R. Kelly in his jail stuff and a separate and there was an extra story about R. Kelly and his jail stuff. And then there was one story about R. Kelly and his girlfriends getting kicked out of or his girlfriends getting kicked out of the penthouse since R. Kelly went to jail. We said we took the two R. Kelly's about his sentencing as a as a super story 
and then we took the other story as its own separate story. Oddly enough, they all made it into the top ten, so that's just one of those oddities there. This story did not. So explaining the almost relevant story of the week, we needed something to basically fill this section and make it something interesting. So to show just how responsive the stories are per week, we went to the top and started talking about the story at the very bottom. And often the story at the bottom is actually not so irrelevant. It's actually a pretty interesting story. It just happens to come up somewhere Thursday evening or Friday morning. And because it doesn't have enough time to gain traction, it is at the bottom of the list. This is one that is interesting, not very important, but still kind of cool and was posted early this morning. So as we said, not very much time to gain any any traction, not very much time to gain any sort of life on the list. So the story that is number 206 for this week, 206 distinct different postings that we had this week. That story at the very bottom has a headline that reads like this. A teen narrowly escaped a shark bite. His board didn't. As I said, posted this morning, Friday, August 16th, USA Today is the source of it, and the only relevance you get to how far it is, other than story 206, is that the number one story was 31,430% more responsive than the other story, than this story here. So that's how many more people jumped on this one than the other ones. We'll read you a few lines from it, because it is a very interesting story, and you can check out the full details by going to the link inside of our website on USA Today. In fact, you can go there and see the picture of the board. I'll just, we'll just go with that. There's a surfer uh, in Hawaii who uh, encountered a shark. Uh, he escaped it, but the shark took a very big chunk out of his board, and so he has a nice trophy, and of course his life to show for it, and a trophy that he can show forever. So just go to the website and click on the link for that story. You can see the picture of the kid holding the board, being very lucky to have survived the incident, very lucky to have a very cool souvenir to keep for the rest of his life. Coming up in just a moment, we will do the shout-outs, showing love to people who showed us love on Facebook and Twitter this week, and round out the top 15 stories that weren't quite there, but were still pretty significant. We'll give you them We'll give them some love in just a bit. On the wrap-up show with Jay Cliff and Payne, the show is for the week ending August the 17th, 2019. If you are a YouTube creator, you're probably very familiar with the work of Roberto Blake. Roberto Blake uh, has brought himself up from, and his story is amazing, but doing just freelance work in graphic design to being one of the premier people out there teaching folks how to make content, create contents, video, graphics of all sorts, and just keep it real in most part. Also, he's a big coach and a big fan of the introvert, the guy the, on the underdog, keeping folks going on. If you're not big on YouTube watching and haven't watched all of his stuff, and he has plenty of stuff over his years of work, he relaunched his podcast called Create Something Awesome Today. You can find information on the podcast anywhere your pods are cast or by going to createsomethingawesometoday.com. And he says he's making a podcast for creatives, individuals who seek to live lives on their own terms. And how does he do that? By offering up podcast episodes that answer questions that really work towards the creator's experiences, the creator's strength, their weaknesses, and hopes and fears. If you're not following on YouTube, look for him on YouTube and you'll see all his videos that go over how to do the basics of stuff, how to do advanced stuff, and a lot of it is just motivation to keep going type stuff. This podcast basically the same along lines, except there's no pictures. It's all voice. So check out his podcast. If you're not checking out his videos, check out his videos. If you're not checking out his podcast. We're spotlighting the podcast specifically. Create something awesome today. Roberto needs no help from me. He's doing much better than I am in this whole world of creation by itself. But if just in case you haven't found out about him, he can help you out. And so that's what I'm offering to you by spotlighting this podcast today. It's called Create Something Awesome Today. It's not too long. It's just long enough to get you the right information to get you going. And it's a great perspective from a person who really knows where what it's like to start from very little and grow to something that's pretty darn cool. Check them out on YouTube. Check them out on the interwebs. And, of course, check out createsomethingawesometoday.com or search for Create Something Awesome Today wherever your favorite pod just happens to be cast.
It has come time for the shout-outs here on The Conversation, and usual suspects are all over the place. Starting off with the Facebook shout-outs, Ruth Ann Miller is in the house. Also, Lisa Gibson, thank you so much, Lisa, for popping in this week. Also, shout-out to love on Facebook to Kat Throp, my good fellow Carnes. Again, this week, he's one of my biggest supporters. Last week, I got a chance to be on his show, uh, the, uh, the In the Black Podcast. So if you're just now finding us from In the Black Podcast, Thank you so much for joining me here. Hopefully you're enjoying what you're finding. If you need some more information or don't like something, should reach for me at the conversation inbox at gmail.com. Let me know what I can do and we can go back and forth. And if you're a podcaster, we can collaborate. That's the cooler part of that all going on to the Twitter folks. We have love popping in from a paranoid fan at paranoid fan, Annabelle Lee FM, Kim Wilford. Also love coming in from Maurice J Marine J Garcia. Tito, hey Tito, and R Whitham. Thank you so much for you guys for coming in on Twitter, showing us some love that end as well. So now we're at the point where we round out the top 15. What this is all about is we gave a few stories in the T, stories that didn't quite make the big countdown, the top 10 countdown for the week. Another sheer story, just complete tragedy in 11 spot this week, posted on Friday, August the 9th. Body of British teenager Alana Cutlin, who fell from a plane in Madagascar, has been found. CNN.com is the source for the story. Some lines from that story. The body of a British teenager who died after mysteriously falling from a plane over Madagascar has been found. Authorities in the country have confirmed, as police investigate whether she intentionally threw herself from the aircraft. 19-year-old Cambridge University student Anna Cutlin fell from the small plane in the remote Ajava region on July 25th. Police Colonel Dai Legpa Ravokoski told CNN on Wednesday that her body was found by local people and members of the security services on Tuesday. She said investigation is underway into why Cutland fell from the plane and the circumstances behind it amid suggestions that those on board with her tried to stop her from falling. The student did not say a word during the flight. Jervis Damsey, the chief of the Bureau of Investigation into Aviation Accidents, told CNN. Damsey said she, he had spoken to both the pilot and the only other passenger on the flight, a British woman. About five minutes into the flight, Damsey said Cutlin unbuckled her seatbelt and opened the door. The other passenger caught hold of Cutlin's leg and held onto her for around two minutes, he added. The pilot only noticed something was wrong when he saw the door open. He tried to close it while piling the plane, but Cutlin's body blocked it. He then tried to hold on to her, Damsey said, as the plane moved dangerously, but the pilot and passenger couldn't hold on any longer, and she fell. Cutlin did not scream as she fell, Damsey said. The student's body will be moved to a state hospital on Thursday, Colonel Dili Lapak Ralavavori told CNN. Britain's Foreign and Commonwealth Office confirmed in a statement Wednesday that Cutland was a British citizen. We are in contact with the Madagascar government, police, and aviation authorities following reports of the death of a British woman. Our staff are offering support to her family, their statement said. That is the full article there. You can read more into it from the links that are there or just search for this story. A very sad story that obviously we don't have an answer to now. And because of circumstances, we just may never know the actual motivations behind this the overwrought thoughts and prayers thoughts and prayers goes off to the family of the young lady and all involved in this one as this has to be a very traumatic event that takes a lot to work through the story at the number 12 spot this week teen goes viral for tweeting from lg smart fridge after mom confiscates all electronic sparks hashtag free dorothy campaign on twitter that's a whole lot to get into. Thursday, August the 15th was the day we posted that one. And yes, this is a whole lot to get into. Our source is CBS News, but as you can tell, the world was watching as this happened. Here we go. Last week, a 15-year-old girl named Dorothy looked at the smart fridge in her kitchen and decided to try to talk to it. I do not know if this is going to tweet, I am talking to my fridge, what the heck, my mom confiscated all my electronics again. Sure enough, it worked. The message Dorothy said out loud to her fridge was tweeted out by her Twitter account. Dorothy, who runs an Ariana Grande fan account, was suffering through a typical teenage nightmare. Her mom took her phone, but their social team did not let that stop her from communicating with her followers. 
First, she started using Twitter on her Nintendo DS, a handheld video game device. It appears, however, she was caught in the act. I seen that Dorothy had been using Twitter on her Nintendo. This account will be shut down now, her mom tweeted from the device. The sneak attack from mom didn't stop Dorothy. She figured out a way to send messages from another video game device, her Wii. Hey guys, OMG, my mom is at work, so I'm looking for my phone. Wish me luck. Love you, she hastily tweeted from the Wii. While Dorothy didn't find her phone, she was able to recapture her Nintendo DS. The teen from Kentucky told CBS News why she used these devices to tweet. Sticking to her personal brand, Dorothy did the interview via direct message on Twitter. She is now using her cousin's old iPod to tweet. I don't have a charger, though, I, so I can't be long, she wrote. Dorothy said she was boiling rice one night and she was too preoccupied by her phone, so the stove burst into flames. Quote, so my mom took all my tech so I pay more attention to my surroundings, she said. Then she explained that both the DS and Wii allow image share so she could send images from those devices to Twitter, allowing messages. Sometime after finding her DS, it was taken again, so Dorothy started tweeting from yet another connected device, her fridge. My mom uses it to Google recipes for baking, so I just Googled Twitter, she told CBS News. Tech Savvy Teen used voice command on the fridge to send the tweet seen around the world. Which, once again, went, I do not know if this is going to tweet. I am talking to my fridge. What the heck? My mom confiscated all my electronics again. CBS News has not independently confirmed Dorothy's tweet did, in fact, come from the LG smart fridge in the kitchen. But LG told CBS News it is possible. Dorothy said her story went viral. Her follower count has grown from 500 to more than 30,000 fans. Fans are starting using hashtags free Dorothy. Clearly there are teens out there who can empathize with getting electronics taken away. While she has now, she while she now has more fans, Dorothy's mom was not amused by her inventive tweeting methods. She still hasn't gotten her phone back. Hence she uses an iPod to conduct this interview. When asked if she knew when she'd get it back, Dorothy simply replied, no, with the crying emoji. So there you have it. And this is a, a scary thing because, I mean, this is a really scary thing just in general. Uh, we dealt with this. We're dealing with this literally this morning as I take my daughter to school and, and we let her get on the Facebook kids messenger app. And so she spent all summer essentially chatting with her friends, their two little girlfriends all the time. They just they call all day when she was away at camp. One girl that wasn't at camp would call all day waiting for to be there. They they just chat all day. Um it's it's one little girl's birthday tomorrow so she called my daughter as we were going at the door to go to school and of course my daughter got distracted on and and these connectivity things are just ridiculous at this point we, as i was saying my wife we don't know what we're gonna do at 14 if we're dealing with this at seven it's gonna be just just horrible i feel for dorothy's mom i Kind of feel for Dorothy, but I really feel for Dorothy's mom as something as simple as don't let the house catch on fire because you're tweeting all the time. Seems like standard fare for a household. Maybe Dorothy will figure it out when she has her own kids and whatever they're live streaming with by that time is they're all the rage. We've had a lot of stories over the last couple of weeks as NFL training camps are convening on the new helmets the NFL has the players wearing and people complaining about those helmets. One person who gets a lot of sway in the NFL is Tom Brady, who is also complaining, but apparently he's not going to get much sway in this one. Headline, Tom Brady forced to change helmets because of NFL's rule, says it is a difficult adjustment. Business Insider, oddly enough, is our source for this one. We posted Tom Brady's strife on Monday, August the 12th. We're not going to read as much from this as we did from the other ones, but we're going to read some of it. Antonio Brown is not the only NFL player dealing with frustrations of the new helmet. Speaking on the Greg Hill Show, a sports radio WEEI, on sports radio WEEI, Patriots quarterback Tom Brady discussed his difficulties with changing his equipment. While Brady did not go as far as Brown and his threat to retire should he not be aware to wear his old helmet, Six-time Super Bowl champion expressed frustration with the search for a new helmet. Quote, I've been experimenting with a couple different ones, and I don't really love the one that I'm in, but I don't really have much of a choice, so I'm just trying to do the best I can to work with it. 
where he discussed the attachment he had to his old helmet, which he had worn for many of the biggest games of his career, more for him. You get used to the same helmet for a long period of time. My last helmet, I wore it for the last four Super Bowls, so it was a pretty great helmet for me. I hated to put it on the shelf. It's kind of like, it's kind of what I'm dealing with. Players this season are being forced to switch helmets due to NFL rules, which now prohibit some models. In addition, any older than 10 years cannot be certified by the National Operating Commission on Standards for Athletic Com- Equipment. That's a long word to say, but basically the people who make sure your equipment's good are there. So there's a, if you read on the, uh, the link we have at our website, this one is there as long as all 16 stories, 1 through 10, 11 through 15, and 206, which will be listed as 16. All the stories will be there so you can see deeper into this, you know, deeper into the struggles. And, and while I say that tongue in cheek, there is a struggle with dealing with folks and something equi- equipment, something as serious, something as important as a helmet in the NFL. This 14 story goes something like this. YouTuber Marina Joyce reported missing in London. BNO News, the source for this one. Friday, August 9th is the date we had this one out there. And no lines from the story. In fact, no actual lines from when we had it in there last week because we should have addressed this in the housekeeping. Uh, because we crunched the numbers so late on last week, uh, we had some stories that were posted later in the day that normally would have made it into it from the early Friday to early Friday. This went early Friday to basically all day Friday because we didn't crunch numbers till Saturday. And this one was actually in the actual countdown for its responses from last week. So because of what it had coming into here, it was still high enough to make it into the top 15, into the teaser section, but not good enough. And the update to the story, while she was missing, she was found safe and well. So she was found safe and well sometime last week, and somehow this whole thing stuck around this far. So I'm not sure how that happened. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in for this and keeping up with this one. So the link will still be there if you want to get deeper into the story, but we're not going much deeper because, like we said, this is a holdover from last week, a rare holdover because it goes from Friday-ish to Friday-ish, and this one had a very different response because last Friday we had basically the full day of Friday as opposed to just up to Friday morning. But what we've come to now is the whole wrapping up of the top 15, wrapping up the show, rounding out the top 15. I confused those statements by actually wrapping up with the roundup for the number 15 story. The headline for that one, as you heard in the tease, the forestation prompts Germany to suspend Amazon projects. Saturday, August the 10th is where we got this. And it's from a German um, news site, DW. I'm sure it stands for some weird German name that I can no longer pronounce. But let's give you some lines from this one, because this one is an actual pretty important deal. Germany said Saturday it would suspend aid to Brazil aimed at helping protect the Amazon forest in light of stark increase in rainforest clearings since President Jair Bolsonaro took office. The policy of Brazilian government in the Amazon raises doubts as to whether a consistent reduction of deforestation rates is still being pursued. German Environmental Minister Sven Schultz said Saturday's edition of the Berlin Daily Tagesspiel. Initially, the amount that will be stopped is around 33 million euros, which is about $39.5 million, the newspaper reported. Brazil is home to more than 60,000 of the Amazon forests, which is being cleared at an increasing rate to create more cropland. Concern over the forest has grown even more since Bolsonaro took office in January. The Brazilian leader doesn't want to designate any further protected areas, pledging instead to allow more clearances to make more economic use of the Amazon region. The former military officer also scorns any advice from abroad. You can go really, really deep in this one. So check the link for this one inside of the website so you can see more details of this story. And you can debate the environmental aspects of it with me or just with ourselves. And of course, that's simple. Go to uh, thisisconversation.com and click the link for this week's podcast. Or just email me at the conversation inbox at gmail.com. You can do that just in general anyway because the show's over. So this is the part where I tell you all the calls to actions that are way too many to get back to what's going on. So any questions, comments, concerns can go to that said email address, the conversation inbox at gmail.com. Of course, to be a part of the conversation is very simple. You just have to follow us on Facebook. Following us at the website is great, but the Facebook and Twitter is where the action happens. 
Instagram as well. On Facebook and Instagram, look for This Is The Conversation. That's our handle. You can't vote on Instagram, but you can check things out there as well. On Twitter, it's TH underscore conversation. And every 50 minutes on Facebook and Twitter, we are putting out stories. Uh, there is places that you can respond to. Sometimes, like today's, you heard in today's countdown, they are replies and responses and updates on serious stories. But you respond to them in kind, and we'll tell you in kind which stories are the most important every single week here in this countdown it's that simple like love hate share respond to the stories the more interaction they get the higher score they get and the higher they come up the countdown if they're good enough they're top 10 material if they're not quite there you'll hear them in the back end like this and if they really 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 don't make it it might make it to the almost relevant story of the week we need more people in these conversations. As I said, we're losing followers. I think they are upset about the Beth Chapman stuff. So follow us on Facebook and Twitter and share us on Facebook and Twitter with other people who want to be into these conversations. And in fact, share this podcast with as many people as possible. That's one of the easiest way you can make things happen. You just take someone's phone, just grab their phone. And then you open up the podcatcher they have. And they have one that really sucks. You install one for them that's better. And you just tell them to chill out because you're doing something great for them. You highlight and you subscribe to this podcast. And you hit, hit play and hand it back to them. And they will say thank you. Well, they'll say something. Sometimes it's not exactly thank you, but you can translate it into basically thank you for them. So do this for any friends, any enemies, any random strangers you know. Just grab their phones and subscribe for us, and they'll get the benefit of that being a part of your big new tribe. Of course, you can highlight us. You can find me online at jclevenpain.net. My main email address is jclevenpain at gmail.com. And we also thank so much our sponsor for this week. Our sponsor that we're spotlighting is Warby Parker. They do great things there at Warby Parker. We thank you so much, Roberto Blake, for being you. And check out his podcast, uh, his podcast on creating awesome things today. And if you want to be a part of helping us do things here on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash distance conversation. On coffee, it's ko-fi.com slash Payne. Those links also at the website. So anything I've rambled through right here, you can find at thisistheconversation.com. Of course, you can find the link for this week's podcast and all the links for inside the podcast there as well. And next week, you'll find even more stuff, great stuff like that. So be with us next week. We will count down from 10 to 1 the stories that you said, not a program director, not Donald Trump, you said were the most conversational for the week. You will tell us what it is. I'll tell you guys what they are in next week's podcast for The Wrap-Up Show with me, Jay Cleveland Payne, brought to you by The Conversation Project at thisisaconversation.com.